What's up, everyone? This is Keith Fleming from the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast feed. Normally, I would be introducing my partner, Ronnell Tinsley, but he is unavailable this week. So, we are not going to be doing an AEW NXT podcast. We apologize for that. But with the Backlash pay-per-view last night, I'm going to do a solo podcast, just kind of quickly reviewing the pay-per-view and giving you my thoughts from the show overall. Before we officially start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the IB Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe on all platforms. We would also appreciate if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter and Instagram or join the Facebook group that has over 4,000 members. The Facebook group has a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved as an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks, and much, much more. So last night, WWE had the Backlash pay-per-view. They self-titled it the greatest wrestling match ever to go along with the Edge Randy Orton storyline, which we will get to at the end of the podcast. Uh, overall, it was a pretty good pay-per-view. I got to say, I thought most of the matches were good. Um, no huge surprises, but some really high-quality matches. Without a doubt, it is a huge improvement having, even though they're employees, you know, it looks like there's some fans actually there. And then last night, I know for the main event, I go back and forth for the other matches, they piped in crowd noise, which I saw some people, you know, saying it's fake and it's ridiculous. I really liked it. I I, I think that the biggest problem with wrestling right now is it's kind of weird to watch because, you know, for a while there was literally no one in the audience. There's normally so many noises during a wrestling match. And it's been it's been strange. So by them piping in the noise, and I gotta give them, you know, an A for effort for that because even in the Edge Orton match, where it was by far the wildest and you noticed it the most, the wrestlers that they have in the audience at least appeared to be making the same noises. You know, when they'd start clapping, they would be clapping, you would see them cheering for uh, you know, loud cheers and, and booing for loud boos. I thought it was a nice touch. They're going to continue to have to try stuff until, you know, we can start having crowds again. And unfortunately, if you look at, you know, the cases in some states, I just don't know when that's going to be. So if they can continue to improve the product for us watching it, that's great. So the first match of the night was Apollo Cruz versus Andrade for the U.S. title. Apollo Crews retained. Nothing against either one of these guys, but if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I think they're both incredible talents. They're both, well, excuse me, incredible talents, a little bit of a stretch. They're both incredible or really good to incredible in the ring. I, I really think both guys can really wrestle. Uh, Cruz has a little bit more of a look of a future star, but they're just not interesting. Neither one of these guys are interesting. And all of their talent right now is in the ring. So they're going to either need a mouthpiece in the future, somebody to sort of, you know, talk them up, or either they're going to have to have a change in gimmick. And if not, people are going to grow stale. But 
I am happy for Apollo Crews. He seems to finally be getting the push. He's great in the ring. I just wish he, I almost wish in some ways as great as MVP's been with, you know, Bobby Lashley, maybe Apollo Crews was the one that he was, you know, tutoring. Or maybe he brings Apollo Crews in with Bobby Lashley uh, because he could really use the mouthpiece, just like Bobby. The second match of the night was a really good women's triple threat tag team match for the tag titles. You had Bailey and Banks retaining their titles over Bliss and Cross and the Iconics. I just think it needs to be said that the women's evolution and women's wrestling as a whole has gotten so good it's almost underrated. I would argue this was, other than the last match, probably my favorite match on the car. It was really good. And the women continue to do this. They continue to put out great performances to the point that we don't even notice them so much. And there is so many pay-per-views and weekly episodes of Raw and SmackDown that either my favorite match or just, without a doubt, the best wrestling match of the night was one of the women. And it's really cool to see. I love women's wrestling. I think it's got a big future. They have arguably some of the biggest stars in WWE, more big stars that are young and have a lot to go than established guys on the men's side. The other thing I really thought was interesting from this match is, man, Peyton Royce from the Iconics has really looked good over the last couple of weeks. Her last couple of matches have been really impressive, and I actually can see a single push for her if they can figure out a character gimmick for her. Alexa Bliss was great in this match. I like the Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, you know, tag pairing. It gave Alexa something to do, but again, you know, I'd forgot until they said last night, She's a five-time champion. Like, she's had her tag run, similar to Asuka. It's time to move her back into the singles. And whether you want to put the title on her or not, she should be challenging for one of the belts. You know, and would really make a good, you know, foil to either one of the champions. So, if you listen to the podcast, you know that Sasha and Bailey and their ridiculously slow burn of their breakup by WWE has at times drove me nuts. Like, drove me nuts. I mean, this thing has been going on forever. But they've also done a lot of things during this slow build that I really like to the point that I've almost got a little, you know, John Kerry in me that I'm just flip-flopping back and forth. Last night and what they've done in the last week is absolutely one of those things that I love. And I love the where, where this is going, or at least where it appears that it's going. Because first of all, having them win the tag titles was really smart. They're going to you know, eventually lose them. It's going to have a lot to do with their breakup. And what's great is even after they lose them, and now they are feuding, they still have the women's title to fight over. And if... I, for a while, went back and forth on whether I actually thought that they needed the belt because, you know, they're Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, they need the belt. I mean, that makes things more important. When Seth Rollins was feuding with Dean Ambrose and, and, you know, Roman Reigns, it was more important when they were fighting for the title. I mean, it's the belt. It makes things more important. The other thing I loved about this match was the way that they, they worked basically seamlessly. They picked up the victory. Sasha did. And then threw in a little thing right at the end. Sasha went to grab all three belts. 
I honestly don't think she thought anything of it, but the heel in Bailey, you could see the way she looked at Sasha when she brought over the belts. I rewinded and watched it two or three times and cannot <laughs> tell exactly what she says, but it's something along the lines of, give me my freaking belts. And Sasha's face as Bailey kind of yanked the, you know, her world title and her tag team title from her just shows that this thing is moving, even if people like me are not happy that the pace it's going. The next match of the night was hopefully the end of the terrible Jeff Hardy Sheamus storyline. Again, if you've listened to the podcast regularly, you know I, I, I hate this storyline. Uh, it's it's been the worst of you know wrestling. Jeff Hardy has a real issue with drinking and drugs and has most of his life. And to use that you know for a storyline where he's being called a junkie and anyone who supports him is an enabler, like it's just it's out of bounds. And I'm one of those guys who really believes that. Wrestling has been hurt by kind of the PC culture that we're in now. Because I think that they probably should push the envelope more than they do. But this is not the direction that they need to push it in. And then they had the terrible thing on SmackDown where Hardy you know, had to take the urine test and knock the pee on Sheamus. I'm just glad this is over. Sheamus ended up winning this match. It was actually a really good match. And it was the right decision because, honestly, at this point, Jeff Hardy is bulletproof. He's Jeff Hardy. I mean, I, I and that may be the best compliment you can give to a wrestler in all seriousness is Jeff Hardy can lose all he wants. He's still Jeff Hardy. He's still going to, when there's a live crowd, get a huge pop. People are still going to be in, in, excited he's involved. And they know that he's a, you know... In some ways, a crazy spot monkey, so he's going to do something cool each match. Sheamus, on the other hand, who deserves respect. I mean, he's he's done it all in his time in WWE, but he couldn't have survived this loss. I mean, they just, you know, brought him back, did this big deal. It was kind of why I was confused at first why they paired these two together. They both were coming back from, you know, lengthy times away, and they're both big names, but... WWE, who we need to give credit when credit's due, they got this equation right. They knew that Hardy could take this loss. Sheamus couldn't, and that's the way they made their decision. I just wish they wouldn't have picked this awful storyline, and I really hope to God it's over. So next, uh, Asuka and Nia Jax had a match that, honestly, for these two who have fought a good bit over the years, uh, it, it wasn't their, their best stuff. It ended in a double countout, which obviously is telling you this feud is going to move on. And I don't honestly think there's a lot more to say on it right now because we know they're going to have more matches down the line. The next match was Braun Strowman defending his title in a handicap match against The Miz and John Morrison. And again, creative WWE deserves credit. Right before the match started, you had an interview backstage with The Miz and John Morrison. They were notified that they could not share the title. It was only whoever actually pinned Braun Strowman was going to be the champ. And I should have, like, when they said that, gone, oh, spoiler, but I didn't. So, early in the match, Strowman dominates. And the next thing you know, Miz and Morrison start working as a team. And, and they're really taking it to Braun. 
and they got him. They they basically double teamed him. He's down for sure for the pin. Morrison goes for the one, two, and I loved this moment from the Miz because it just makes sense for who he is as a wrestler and a character. He broke up the pin because Miz wants to be champ. Miz wants to be the man. He always has. You know, nobody flaunted that world title, that one world title reign more than the Miz. An underrated world title reign, by the way. Um, He loved being the IC champ. He always talked that up. And it was just a really cool moment because he honestly, by his reaction, looked like, man, it was instinct. So it appears that they are getting ready to obviously split up Miz and Morrison. I'm very interested to see who is the face, who is the heel. It appears it's going to be Morrison that's going to be the face, Miz the heel. That makes sense. I mean, Miz is a great heel. He's not a bad face. He's just such a good heel. Morrison, again, he's another one of these guys. He's great in the ring. I've never really got the character or the gimmick too much, but we'll see what happens. The bad news is, is Braun Strowman's world title reign is losing steam quickly. I mean, we're only a couple of months from WrestleMania. Him getting his big moment, you know, the win over Goldberg, you know, strap strap that rocket ship. And he had a great feud with Bray Wyatt. That was Well, we're going to can't even call it a feud. He had a great match and build up with Bray Wyatt. Won that. And they've already got him in handicap matches. And, you know, turning over vehicles, stuff that we've seen before. I hope that it gets more interesting because I actually think Braun Strowman deserves this reign, and I think if they book him the right way, like, this guy's Brock Lesnar. I, I don't understand why they haven't, you know, basically booked him that way. You could build him or book him exactly the way you do Brock Lesnar, where he's this unstoppable monster. Don't make him talk a lot. Just, you know, say, I'm the champ. I'm a big, bad man. Beat me if you can. And you have, you know, really good matches with with dudes, and eventually you're going to build somebody up by beating him. But I don't think it, you know, fares well for Braun that, again, it's tough to tell without crowds, but just from reading stuff on social media and talking to my other wrestling fans, they don't seem very interested, and that's going to mean that Otis is going to be right there. Which, by the way, he was also involved in the Miz and Morrison promo, and I love the way they again, are keeping him in everybody's mind saying that, you know, no matter who, which of you three in tonight's match wins the title, there's a chance I'm going to cash in the money in the bank briefcase, which, smart booking. So next was, I thought, a really good match, the Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE title. There was a segment before the match where Lana, you know, came up to MVP, said she was frustrated with the fact that she hadn't been able to accompany her man to ringside, and you know, she didn't think it was fair, and this is the biggest night of his, you know, life. He's going to be champ. She wants to be by his side, and MVP goes, you need to talk to your man. Basically saying, it's not me, it's Bobby Lashley who's saying he, he can't have you at ringside. Uh, Lashley, and uh, again, some really good booking decisions in this match, because if you listen to the podcast, I've been talking about how I really thought Bobby Lashley deserved a push. Actually, a few weeks before they did, they had had him go over both tag teams, you know, the best tag teams on Raw with MVP as a partner. But I was worried they were doing all this to basically feed him to McIntyre and let's move on. And the way this match was booked, that's not what's going to happen. Because 
Lashley actually put on his, his full Nelson before the bell rung, would not release it. It took three or four refs, and finally he did. They rang the bell, so he started the match at an advantage, but it also showed his strength and his power that you know he was manhandling Drew McIntyre. Even though he came up from behind, just the ability to put him in a full Nelson and hold that, and Drew, he couldn't get out. I mean, it wasn't that Drew broke out of it. Bobby broke the hold. So... It was a very good back-and-forth match. I think McIntyre has been fantastic as champion. He's been built into one of the better face champions I can remember in the last couple of years. And that's one reason I'm concerned about the news that Paul Heyman has been demoted from running Raw. Because Paul Heyman is to thank for this. Paul Heyman is to thank for a lot of the good stuff that's going on with Raw right now. But it is what it is. Late in the match, Lashley actually looked like he had a very good chance to win. When, of course, here comes Lana. First, she distracts him, which allowed McIntosh to, you know, get some offense. And then he pushes Lashley into the ropes, who for reasons only Lana couldn't explain, she had got up on the apron. He kind of bumps into her. It was all the, you know, it was all the champ needed. Claymore out of nowhere, one, two, three. It it just was a really smart book match because both guys look strong. Both guys look strong coming out of this. I'm assuming they're going to extend this feud. Lashley has every right to say he deserves another title shot. McIntyre is a resilient champ that even after Lashley put on a full Nelson for a full minute, minute and a half before the bell, was able to come back and win. And the finish was a little dusty. So, I mean, you get a little bit of everything there. Next was the surprise of the night. The Street Profits were going to be taking on the Viking Raiders for the tag titles. And anyone who has, again, listened to the podcast recently, we have only sometimes talked about the Street Profits and Viking Raiders segments going on. And other times we felt like the best thing to do is to ignore them. I thought they've been stupid. They've been having all these challenges against each other. I will admit some of the parts are funny, but overall I just I think it's kind of a joke, especially when, particularly with the Street Profits, I think they have something. And they should be using this time to let them dominate, in my opinion, as tag champs, give them a lot of face time, and build them up. Because I think these guys are like the real, real deal. Montez Ford especially, I think he's going to be a future world champion. I really do. But we didn't know this was going to be a cinematic match. Very similar to the Boneyard, you know, the Firefly, the NXT match between Adam Cole and uh, Velveteen Dream. It started in the parking lot, and man, things got weird. The two teams kept fighting backstage. They, They had props. Uh, from like the previous competitions. They then agreed to put the weapons down and fight like man. Uh, Angelo tackled Ivar through a glass pane somewhere in the performance center. They get back in the parking lot. Several people pull up on motorcycles. Akiri Tozawa revealed himself as one of the bikers and gave a quick promo in Japanese. They then had to join forces to defeat the ninjas. I mean, this was weird stuff. It, it turned into basically a comedy bit. 
they they brought in who I'm not sure who this guy was, but this dude had to be like a seven foot ninja. I think he's a uh, performance center guy, and. Eventually, they escaped the production truck. All men ended up in a dumpster. And the video ended with them trying to escape a monster that I guess was a Star Wars reference from the original Star Wars when Chewie, Luke, and Han fall into the trash compactor. And I don't know if it was an octopus or what that giant thing was, but same type deal. So, no resolution to the story, which is a little frustrating. No match between these two guys, which I normally would say is frustrating, but this was really creative. It was pretty funny. Like, I'm not going to lie, especially after so many just matches, not really any big surprises. I was kind of shocked at what I was seeing, and it honestly opened up my mind a lot more for the next match. And now that I've watched the Randy Orton Edge match twice, I'm so freaking thankful that I did watch it twice and I did have an open mind because everything about this match was great. Other than the fact that it was, you know, deemed beforehand the greatest wrestling match of all time. And I've talked about on the podcast that they were setting them up to fail and to be ridiculed. Well, they did not do them any favors. I'm not saying it's the greatest wrestling match of all time because it's not. But it probably was the best match of the year. And when you consider the pressure and the stakes of the fact that they called it that beforehand and then went out and delivered, it definitely is. It was a really good match. We have in a very short period, and we're going to do a Raw and SmackDown uh, podcast later in the week, so we'll talk more about the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan IC final on Friday. But between that match on Friday and this match on Sunday, those are two of the best wrestling matches in two days I've seen ever. Because there's been stretches where there's been some great matches at back-to-back pay-per-views, but for two really great, just true wrestling matches to happen two days apart, I hope it's a signal that WWE is realizing that fans like this. And if you have the right performers, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Randy Orton, they're going to pull it off. And how about Edge? I mean, think about it. This guy retired for, what, a decade? Comes back. You know, we didn't really consider their last man standing a cinematic match when it happened. But when I rewatched it, you could tell there was a lot of cuts and, you know, they... They filmed everything, obviously, beforehand. I'm sure they had a lot of takes. So it wasn't really a true wrestling match. This was a true wrestling match. And it was incredible. And then you find out on top of all that, Edge is injured during it and gutted it out anyway. And honestly, you know, the report came out before the match aired that Edge had been injured. I believe it's his pectoral. He's going to be out for months, unfortunately. But I couldn't, I couldn't tell the exact spot that it happened. I noticed that there was about the halfway point a few times after that that Edge, you know, seemed to be reacting more of not, I'm a wrestler and I'm hurting, but more, oh my God, I think something's wrong uh, type reactions. But if you haven't watched this match, go watch it. The beginning was fantastic. They had the Madison Square Garden mic 
hanging from the ceiling, ceiling, excuse me, Howard Finkel's voice introduced the competitors. I mean, it was really good. And Randy Orton, who has gotten trashed on our page, the Team Turnbuckle Facebook page, on social media, he reminded everybody why he is Randy Orton, why he just was able to come out and say, I'm going to do this for another decade and retire at 50 and basically spend 30 years as one of the top guys and the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. So, you know, very similar to the way I was with John Cena as his career wrapped up. I'm seeing Orton in a different light. I always knew he was great, and I have a higher respect for Randy than I think a lot of fans do because I can separate the fact that he's a, he's an asshole. You know, he's a jerk. I don't care. He's really good in the ring. I, I tell people, you know, my athletes, I'm more about what they do on the you know the field or the court. I don't I don't want to say I don't care what they do at home, but. My role models and heroes aren't going to be guys and, and people I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look to family members, friends. But it was a great match. These guys just put on a clinic. They had some crazy finishers near the end. As uh, We had Triple H's pedigree used, the Rock Bottom used. You had uh, Christian's, uh, what was uh, Christian's finisher? God, that's going to drive me crazy. Well, I don't know the name of it. They did Christian's finisher. They went back and forth. Art, Orton hit Edge with an RKO very near the end that everybody, everybody watching thought it was over. Nope, he kicked out. I remember literally going, wow, it's been a long time since I've been that surprised that a match didn't end right there. And good job to WWE or whoever decided because it was like right at the hour. And you know how normally that kind of tells you, okay, it's going to end right here. They went a little bit over. Just I hope to give you that moment where you're like, whoa, we kicked out. But he ended it too with the, the punt, which we have not seen. God, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw the punt. You know, Randy Orton runs and kicks the guys in the head. I believe the WWE, very similar to they did with the curb stomp for quite some time. We're worried about the concussions and just the way it looks to be kicking somebody in the head. They had storylines in the past where, you know, knock people silly and I guess they find it insensitive. But you could tell Edge Norton took the greatest wrestling match ever title seriously. They used a ton of mat-based offense, you know, more than I've seen either one of them, you know, I was going to say do in years. Honestly, in their entire career, maybe Edge had that period when you had the SmackDown 6, and he did a good bit of mat wrestling. The match was really fluid. And to be honest, it, it felt like you were watching a Daniel Bryan CM Punk. Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match, which honestly, I don't think anybody would say that about Edge or Orton. They both are where they are because of you know more of their personality than they are in the ring. But... As I always tell people, to be one of you know the best, even if it's just for an era, you can't just be good on the mic, and you can't just be good in the ring. You have to be good at both, or it doesn't work. And again, 
I like the crowd's noise. A lot of people did not. They pumped in extra crowd noise. I think they did, again, the entire pay-per-view, but it was just so much louder for this match. I'm personally, you know, on the... It was a plus side. I don't know if most people find that it was on the negative side. But So anyway, that is my recap of Backlash. I'm actually missing the first hour of Monday Night Raw to record this for you guys. I hope you all appreciate that because we know uh, we will be doing a podcast on it. I will have to catch it at some point. But before we run, or before I run, see, I'm so used to Ron L being there. Uh, first off, I just want to say I hate that Ron L was not able to do this podcast with me. But as you can understand, we have jobs and lives and things come up. So uh, hopefully he will be back with me at the middle of the week. I know he will. We'll do the Raw on SmackDown. And we have the Team Turnbuckle Facebook page. It's the podcast page on Facebook. We'd really appreciate it if you join it. It's great for wrestling conversations, discussions, posts, etc. And then again, if you are not following the Ivy Sports Podcast feed on uh, Apple, Spotify, or Anchor, please do. Please rate and review not only do you get the Team Turnbuckle podcast, you also get the Backdoor Cover, my gambling podcast with my man, Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy, a.k.a. IB Yeezus. We will be back recording our first episode tomorrow night. We'll be talking, well, not first episode, first episode in months because we will be talking about the PGA Tournament next week. And you also have the RC Report and many other great podcasts, so be sure to check that out. But for the first time ever, doing one of these Team Turnbuckle podcasts solo. I am your host, Keith Fleming. I hope it went well. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If so, that might be something that me and Ron will do from time to time when our schedules don't mesh and we just can't get out to do it. But again, Backlash was great. And I hope you guys enjoy Raw. And we will see you soon with another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. See you guys.